luckily as a society we've moved past all of that you know toxic masculinity and we don't have to worry about <laughs> hiding things in society no no no, <laughs> no. it's all oh, fixed gosh. yeah yeah it's all fixed oh <laughs> rhyme free it doesn't matter to me it's my bad poetry Good day, and welcome to My Bad Poetry, a podcast where we normally hear one of my bad poems from high school. But this episode is far from normal, because we also normally save hearing words of a true poet until the end of each episode. But today we're excited to have a real true poet as our guest on the podcast. Kelly Russell Agadon is the co-founder of Two Sylvia's Press, also a faculty member at Pacific Lutheran University in their MFA Rainier Writing Workshop. Her poems have been featured in collections such as the Minnesota Review, The Atlantic, O, The Oprah Magazine, New England Review, The Writer's Almanac, to name just a few. She has also won multiple awards as well, and even with all of that, I do not think I am doing you justice. Kelly, it is an honor to have you on the show. Thank you for having me, Aaron. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, yeah, this, this feels like a dream. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's going to be a lot of fun, for sure. I love talking about poetry. Um, for those of you listening, Dave is with us as well. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Has a new kid in tow, so we're happy that he's oh. awake. Congratulations. Mostly awake. And thank you. <laughs> yeah, I was telling Aaron, I got a solid four hours of sleep last night. So I am just doing wonderful. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I remember those years. So Kelly, um, we, we ran through your resume. Was there anything else that maybe you'd want to use to introduce yourself? Well, I'm in Washington State, the Pacific Northwest. I am a paddleboarder and an avid hiker. And sometimes people call me an eco-poet, which Ooh. I always like to give you a little title. So I just write about, I write about the world around me, which is a lot of nature. Sure. Yeah. In our warm-up conversation, you mentioned that you grew up Catholic, but I notice you are teaching at Pacific Lutheran University. Uh, what brought you there? Well, that is actually where I received my MFA, oh. and um, I, I, I feel like I had ma I manifested the job. I was um, driving home, talking to a friend on Bluetooth in my car, and I was saying, I really want to go back to PLU. I want to go back to that community, and I want to sleep in the dorm beds. And the next day, I received <laughs> it's a strange thing to say. And the next right, day, yeah. <laughs> an email from Rick Barrett asking me if I would want to join his faculty in poetry. And I did, and I was thrilled, and I'm loving it. Wow. That's so it's cool. It's a fantastic university. Yeah. I've, I've had the privilege of, of being on there once. Um, uh, a choir I, I sing in um, toured there a couple of years ago. It is a beautiful campus. So. Yeah, and they let Catholics in, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, you are talking to two Lutheran pastors, both from Lutheran colleges. Uh, I'm an Oli grad and Gustavus. Yeah. He, he's a guest. That, <laughs> that means nothing to anyone outside of Minnesota, and that's totally fine. <laughs> the Pacific Lutheran are the Lutes. So the Lutes. The Lutes. The Pacific Lutheran Lutes. As, yeah. in, the, as in the instrument? 
Um, no, I guess as Lutherans. Oh, right? okay. okay. <laughs> They're just the Lutes. I went there. I'm not sure 100% you know what it means either, but. What's, so, what's your mascot? Is it Luther? Uh, or? I'm going to have to find I don't know what it is. <laughs> I just wore the paraphernalia that's sure. Lutheran University. Right? Oh. oh, that's funny. I just, that's funny. It could be the instrument. I just assumed it was Lutherans. <laughs> Yeah, no. I've never heard uh, Lutherans called the Lutes before. I don't know. I just assumed it was a shorter term, like a nickname. Maybe yeah. it's a West Coast thing. I mean, yeah. I'll, have, I'll look into that and let you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, all this started with a tweet that you put out saying 93.4% of my unpublished poems bore the heck out of me, and I write way more garbage than gold or lots of average a few shooting stars yes so keeping with the nature of this project on a complete whim we reached out to you not to share one of those gilded shooting stars of which you have many but instead to see if you'd be willing to share one of those garbage poems with us today and you said yes surprisingly <laughs> <laughs> typically dave kicks us off with a poem and he has prepared a poem um, Kelly, if you are willing to hear. I am. Okay, Dave. Uh, willing to hear this poem might be a little too too high praise for it. This is a poem called Easy Peasy. Poetry is so simple to write, as easy as turning on a light. Just write profound truth in a meter, forsooth, and make it rhyme so it's more profound, but I guess you don't have to make it rhyme. It's more about expression. Well, it's not expression, but exploration. And I guess the choice of words plays a major role. However, it's really open to interpretation. I mean, how hard can it be to completely be honest and vulnerable as you seek truth, beauty, wisdom, knowledge, peace, uh, personal and communal growth, and more in just a few lines, right? So that was my attempt at a limerick. And it went very well. <laughs> the longest limerick ever. Right? <laughs> well, Kelly, as as a um, faculty uh, professor, professor of, are you? Yeah, I guess that's what they call me. I'm faculty of the graduate program, in the graduate program. Any critique for that sloppily made? <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell me why I'm completely wrong? Because that'd be lovely. <laughs> I, you know, I actually have to tell you that I started laughing when the turn was made because I think it's so funny when we try to write about poetry and you'll see because I brought a poem because I just think that's such an interesting thing. And then you made the turn and and just what you were kind of saying about the poem actually made me laugh. Like, yeah, you're right. We can't really describe poetry, but I actually really like the voice switch. I know I'm oh, not well, supposed to like the voice switch, but let's say I did. <laughs> I, I appreciate that you're working really hard to find anything positive to say. <laughs> I'm an optimist. Yeah. That's great, because um, Dave is a realistic pessimist, and I'm probably uh, bordering on that as well. So <laughs> it's good to have some optimistic light here. We need a little bit of hope. <laughs> yeah well i'll be the foolish optimist i think that's what i am in the family Perfect. there we go um so you you mentioned a term here uh i'm unfamiliar with you said voice switch yeah we try and at least bring in a couple actual poetic terms when we make fun of my old writing but um <laughs> what what how would you define a voice switch 
Um, well, actually, I guess that's a term that I just made up. But oh, what, cool. the, voice, the voice in the poem was you were you had started in formal verse and there was rhyming and then you did that switch where all of a sudden like the poem took. And that's what I love when poems do is we're going one way and then all of a sudden we're going another way. So you made a voice switch where all of a sudden we were hearing the rhymes, the rhymes, and then you were just kind of, you know, riffing. It was right. like a rambling like a weird. Yeah. Rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> and that was really I felt like that switch in the poems and that's actually something I love in poetry is when you're reading and you think you're going one way and then you turn and go another right the so. subversion of expectation exactly yeah <laughs> well um let's see what you brought to oh. us today <laughs> yes. okay so what I brought so I went into my files and I have a file called new work and I went into the way back and I found this one from 2006 and it went was when I was in the uh, Pacific Lutheran University in their grad Ooh. program and I was writing a lot about writing and I think because yeah. when you're in a grad program writing poetry you don't have a lot of things to draw from except <laughs> writing poetry mm -hmm. and I thought this would be a good one to share because it made me laugh um, because it, I'm like, what am I talking about? <laughs> that was the first thing. Um, but then this morning I, I've been sitting with it and I was figuring things out, like what I was doing, but I was just befuddled by this poem. I'm <laughs> like, what? I gave it a very solid title, revising. Yeah. And then I just <laughs> ramble on. So I will um, read it to you. And you can see if it makes any sense, and I'll let you know what I discovered later this morning sitting with it. Okay, revising. The poets write sonnets, and I play skee ball to win tickets. Seven equals a free hat. I count syllables because numbers will carry words to their destinations found in simple math. Line breaks send me down a lane, sometimes with men I want to walk with, sometimes alone with half a heart. Marianne Moore crawled along the boardwalk in black shoes and a cape, and still she never mentioned how much her knees hurt. If there's a curse in a poem, it's that the sky can't be found underwater. How can I sail my white kite to the sun? So, that's a lot of just weird images, supposedly on revising. <laughs> Why is Marianne Moore crawling in black shoes and a cape through my poem and her knees hurt? I was just going to say, like, you were going through the first half of it. And I'm like, this makes perfect sense. I see exactly where you're going. Like, it's it's the confusion of how you understand. And then, yeah, the, the Marianne Moore line came up and I'm like, I, uh, I think we might be on different planets here. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what's going on. Yeah, first impressions. Um, I, yeah, I agree. Once you hit the very end, more <laughs> referencing, uh, maybe some revising was needed. <laughs> it really, yeah, and that's in this. I, I don't think I ever sent this poem out. I hope I didn't. <laughs> Oh, I was sitting with it today trying to figure out what am I talking about? What poets write sonnets and play, I play ski ball to win tickets, seven equals a free hat. And I couldn't figure this out. And then all of a sudden this morning I realized, oh, 
I wrote this poem in syllabic, so every line is seven syllables. And so oh. that apparently was some sort of like clue to the reader to figure right. out what's going on, though I was counting syllables and the second line is eight. So I screwed that <laughs> up. Hmm. And then I was thinking, well, why, if it's about revising, do I have Marianne Moore? Because the person who's known, she's a big reviser, but who's known even more is Elizabeth Bishop. Hmm. And I'm like, why didn't I have Elizabeth Bishop on her knees? And then I realized, oh, it's too many syllables. So oh. this poem just like is a mystery that I was just trying to figure out. And I figured out the, I don't know what I'm talking about with, if there's a curse in a poem, it's that the sky can't be found underwater. Like, I don't know what that means. That means nothing. It's so poetic that it's deep. I don't think so. <laughs> well, it is underwater. Yeah, it is. The whole poem is underwater. But last line, how can I sail my white kite to the sun? I realized, okay, well, then I'm talking about like the white page in the poem. Oh, so, sure. Yeah. But, oh my gosh, it's just when I was looking for a poem for you and I read this, I just started laughing because I'm like, what am I doing? What right. is in the mind of that person who wrote this? Yeah. Well, but that's that's the fun of like revisiting some of these poems. We've we've had a lot of fun going through Aaron's stuff and going, man, this must have been when this movie came out and I was on this mode of thought. And right. Because <sighs> we are different people. When when we wrote the poem, this was written by a grad student in 2006 who was responding, who was just so into poetry at that time. And right. um, maybe I had read something about Marianne Moore revising and I just tossed it in. But, you know, now, how many years later, 17 years later, I'm like, why am I playing skee-ball or why is this skee-ball <laughs> at the beginning of the poem? Well, because you're down at the boardwalk. Yeah, <laughs> of course, I'm revising my poem, and that's why Marianne Moore there is yeah, there yeah. following along. You're right, I actually brought that in. Yeah. So it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Now that we've dissected it, I, I completely understand. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think, you know, what we talked about, you know, Aaron, when you said about how the tweet I wrote, um, about like 94.6% of my poems are garbage. I realized that I just write a lot. And so this morning I was digging around and I found this newer poem because I'm like, I have to really be honest that I still write really crazy, not good <laughs> poems. And I have a poem, I'm just gonna read you the, I don't know if this is a title or why there are two of these, um, <laughs> but it says, there are people who hate ambient noise. Don't bury me in a donut. And I'm not sure what I'm doing there. It's actually just the title, the top of the poem. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and I found that today and I'm like, that was from May 1st, 2021. So that's an adult poet still just writing kooky stuff. Right. That's yeah. okay. When, when you put that in the doc i thought okay i thought don't bury me in a donut was the title to the next poem you included well because... i think it is oh I but i don't know why i wrote there are people who hate ambient noise above it i i, I just found this strange document was i concerned about people did <laughs> like how did this end up together you were worried that your typing the poetry was too loud for those around you I don't know. No? Maybe I was. Maybe I was at a at a coffee shop. Well, no, yeah. during the pandemic. 
Right. So I don't know. It's and I was just finding this, and it, it goes off about um, like a church of gratitude and holy water made from someone's tears, and the crucifix is just popsicle sticks, and then it just ends. So yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what I was doing with that, but that also is an adult human poet writing poems. So not good. I, I think we should dive into that whole poem. Oh, do you? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, you're, you're, you're sitting there with two pastors and you've worked religious imagery into here. Okay, let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. All right. So this poem, I guess, would be the title would be, There are people who hate ambient noise or don't bury me in a donut. In the bathroom, there is a reflection that wants to tell me a secret about sadness. But in the church of gratitude, I'm praying to the cracks, the sugar ants on the concrete floor. Why does it always seem as if the holy water is made from someone's tears and the crucifix is just popsicle sticks? And then it ends without even a period. <laughs> just stops. Yeah, there's very little um, punctuation throughout the whole poem. You have a couple commas. Mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. period after floor, but yeah, very open-ended. <laughs> it's a thought, just, it's, I don't think it's a poem, I think it's a thought. <laughs> See, and now, now I'm getting angry because you consider that a bad poem? Yeah. I kind of love that. Oh, thank you. Like, I, I think it's fascinating because like, like Aaron said, as two pastors, like the the line, why does it seem as if the holy water is made from someone else's tears? That's one of the most beautiful lines I think I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, thank you. Maybe that's the takeaway. Maybe that's the poem that should start the, a new poem. And if it is, I'll dedicate it to you both. Oh, oh. thanks. <laughs> that, that would be amazing. Yeah, no. That, uh, <laughs> this that poem line... is dedicated to two idiots who made me revisit my, my work. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that same line stood out to me as well. Um, yeah. I mean, we talk a lot about like the sacrifices that, that we are called to do. Um, and so, yeah, I could see a lot of really interesting imagery coming out of that, um, yeah. whether you. it's good or bad. Um, yeah. Well, I like, church, I like Church of Gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like, so staring into the mirror, you're, you're looking at the cracks. Is it cracks in the mirror? Is it cracks within yourself cracks within that reflection and it's so easy to look at the the pain that you feel but then the church of gratitude that gathering of hope points you in a different direction reminding you of the goodness around right I, you're turning me into an optimist i don't like it. i know i like this it's exactly it that's and i think that's kind of what a lot of my poems do if if i i don't know why i said don't bury me in a donut but <laughs> Um, but it, it really is trying to find the good and the joy in, in a world that keeps trying to serve us bad, that keeps yeah. trying to say, look at this negative thing over here and look at this negative thing over here. And then you walk out into the world and there's somebody holding a door open for you at the post office, you know, sure. and there's somebody who smiles at you. And yesterday I went back to grab a bouquet of flowers from the side of the road, this they, I don't know if they have them here, but they, people just put up, they sell bouquets and mm. just from their house. And you oh, just like, oh. you can now pay by Venmo, but you should just stick like <laughs> five or 10 bucks in the thing. Sure. 
And I decided to go back and, and get the bouquet. And I don't know, something inside me said, go back and get the bouquet. So I went and got the bouquet and I'm like, great, you know, now this person has $10 more and I have flowers. And as right. I'm going, I see a father duck walking across this busy highway. And I'm like, oh no. So I stop my car and there's no cars coming. And I'm like, okay, go ahead, faster, <laughs> right. faster. And he's, he's walking and he looks at me and he's walking. And I'm like, okay, no cars and no cars behind me. I've got my flashers on at this point to alert alert anyone who comes down this highway. And for some reason, there was no, no cars at this time. Hmm. And I'm just being thankful. He's almost to the end. And then I realize there's, there's the mother duck. There's another, there's the female duck. And she's nervous and isn't crossing. And so she starts and she's really slow. And I see a car coming the other way, just an SUV just coming down the highway super fast. So I do what any normal person does. I fling open my door. I'm flashing my lights. I'm like waving my hands like a lunatic. And I can see the ducks still going. And I'm just like, I hope the SUV sees the duck. And I hope there's not ducklings or, you know, I need to, I need to have some sort of banner or something. Anyway, this I see the SUV slowing down. And so we sat there for about a minute and we watched the ducks go all the way to the other side, walking the slowest walk I've ever seen for a minute. And then <laughs> I rolled down the window to wave and we gave each other like a thumbs up. Me and the stranger, like we did it. You know, we waved the ducks, but that's not the stuff you see. You know, that's right. not the stuff that's given to us every day that there are people who will stop and wait for three minutes to let two ducks pass. <laughs> so I think in my poems, I, I have a lot of sadness and darkness and, and, and that, but I always try to end with like, I try to get some hope in there because I, I feel that we, we can't give into the, the bad stuff all the time. We have to keep reminding each other that there's a lot of good Right. And I think I think we see the bad because companies profit off of it and mm -hmm. profits, they get clicks and they get, you know, right. you might click if you saw, you know, two strangers stop for, you know, five minutes for a duck. That might make <laughs> you click, but more likely you're gonna click people click on the story of like the negative. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. negativity bias. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, a way off. Now we're talking <laughs> no. about <the> <laughs> Yeah, no, if you if you ever uh if you ever listen to our bloopers, we have random <laughs> tangents. It just it goes forever. I don't um, know what you're talking about, Aaron. We are very on topic constantly. We are very professional. <laughs> those, those two hour recordings for twenty <laughs> minutes. <of> <laughs> <this>. <laughs> What I love about that conversation, though, is one thing that, that Dave and I kind of agreed on when we were kind of forming a, almost a mission statement around this project was we wanted to demonstrate that everyone deserves a little grace. And I think you brought that up there is, is seeing that those moments of gratitude yeah. um, in the small things. It's really true. I mean, I every day when I take like a hot shower, I just think, oh my God, how lucky am I? Mm -hmm. Like I turn right. this faucet and I get hot water. I'm always thinking about like little things like that. Just yeah. um, how, just really how lucky we all are, yeah. even though sometimes it feels like things are really bad, but compared to so many in the world, yeah. you know, it's, we're all trying our best, I hope. I hope <laughs> most of us are. Yeah. <laughs> 
but they're, you're right. It's just and to really, you know, offer grace to other people and and realize, you know, you don't know why somebody doesn't smile back. They might be mad. Maybe they don't like to smile or, you know, and just realize it's been a tough few years. Right. So it is just have grace and, and trust it. Yeah. I had I had one other thing I wanted to get into in the poem, just that yeah. last line. This is something that Aaron and I talk quite a bit about the 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 issues of the modern church and how you can walk into a church and not actually feel the presence of God because it's just out of habit and it's mm. not serving others and I feel like that last line was really convicting for me and that's what I love is that the crucifix is just some popsicle sticks and it reminds me of like uh uh, my one of my friends from high school told a story of getting cut off and somebody threw up the middle finger at him uh, while he was driving down the highway and he had a Jesus fish on the back of his car. And so it's like, oh, this guy is advertising he's a Christian as he's yelling at me and cutting me off and screaming. And oh, no. I, and I, I just feel like that's a really powerful line to. Uh, yeah to make us question how we put ourselves out into the world. Because uh, I'm hearing a lot of that grace and a lot of that goodness and gratitude in a story about two ducks. And sometimes uh, it's hard to see it even while working in the church. Um, and that's a problem. That's a big problem. Because <laughs> yeah, humans are humaning and doing all sorts of like, and, and sometimes with like the road rage in that, you know, and it's interesting with the, you know, the Jesus sticker on the back of the yeah. car and, and doing that, like, is it because in the car they feel separate? And, right. so they feel, and, and so I think sometimes that happens on the internet too, where mm. you're just like, I'm just typing this out. I called it, I call it the poison pen where someone's like, and then, or, you know, and, and they're not realizing the humanness of the other person where right. would they have said that in person? If that man who flipped off your friend had, you know, been in person and he accidentally bumped him in, you know, a grocery store, I don't think you'd flip him off. He'd be like, you know, oh, sorry. And so many times when we cut people off, are we meaning to do it? No. Right. No, right. We're, just, we're just trying to get where we're going. And, and maybe we didn't like, ah, oh, he was closer than I thought. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to jump in on that line too. Um, the crucifix is just popsicle sticks. I love the almost the rhyme there of crucifix mm -hmm. popsicle sticks. It um, has a nice um, rhythm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it has a nice feel to it. Mouth feel. Consonants. Yeah. 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 On, on a similar vein, um, and I, I I think Dave's won me over. This is actually a a, a pretty convicting poem. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think um, the popsicle six line makes me think of uh, the church's consumeristic in that we provide mm. something and then like I, I just imagine like you lick the popsicle and then and then it's just the empty stick left behind. There's very little substance to it. It's it's frozen sugar. Uh, it's it's taken and then it's eaten and then it's gone. And to disarm or to remove the crucifix and the cross from its central point within theology. And that can be debated on different atonement theories. But I mean, <laughs> to, to do that is much like Dave said, is something that the church struggles with is we forget the, the 
sacrifices and and the way of putting neighbor first um, and working against empire and all those those yeah. types of things and it's just a consumeristic culture where even even the cross is is basically litter on the street mm. that's really interesting well it it reminds me what you just said just kind of played into what dave said where you said about like eating the popsicles that's like going to church is you go to church and you're in church and you're the christian and you're the you know um, the person who's worshiping and that's you eating the popsicle and then you go out into the world and then you act like a lunatic and a not nice person yeah. and so you when you're in church you're being the person you think you want to be and you should be and that and then you get out into the real world and you don't carry the values with you yeah yeah you're sugary sweet uh, and you get your your fix and then you go out and you're um, bare and dry and splintery. Right. right, exactly. You're the popsicle stick. You're not the sweet stuff. You should be sweet when you go out into the world. Yeah. Not just that for on Sunday, I'm a, I'm a good person. I'm a good human. Carry that into the world with you when you're, you know, just living your life. Yeah. So that, that's interesting. I like what you both said about that. I'm going to have to work on this one. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm... I, I'm going to take us in a completely different direction, but I'm trying to envision why you wrote this in all. Why why the donut? I don't know. I'm I, I don't know. I have no idea where the donut came. And don't bury me in a donut. I'm just wondering if like maybe maybe I was starting something else and then wrote this poem, or okay. maybe huh. like I don't understand that whole thing either. There are people who hate ambient noise just being tapped on at the top and don't bury me in a donut. Um, but you know, <laughs> I have been known to write down a really interesting title and mm -hmm. think I'm gonna, you know, riff on that and then go a completely different way. So hmm. yeah, and and in a donut, like what does that mean? Does that mean like a real teeny tiny donut? <laughs> Would mean i was like i was an elf and in a donut i don't know what but i'm interested in that phrase yeah yeah but not gonna take it anywhere but i'm interested well i'm i'm also seeing donut uh sugar ants and popsicle sticks so maybe you just needed a snack like you were just yeah. <laughs> oh my i was hungry when i wrote the poem that's <laughs> which is more as I sit here with like my little pieces of cheese in case I get hungry. So I, I am somebody who builds their life around snacks. Understandable. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, now I understand why we get along. Yeah, exactly. So I've always, I've got my crackers, my cheese. Yep. No, that's probably it. I was hungry. <laughs> I, I, I did want to ask you, um, and this goes a little off of the quote unquote bad poems themselves, but you have such interesting titles. Um, and and this this might be an example of a, a failed title, but I'm wondering, like, um, do you title your work before you write or after? Or is it kind of both? It's usually after. I will occasionally, oh. I was looking around because I think I actually have like a, a thing here with titles in them. Um, usually after. Sometimes I'll get like a title and then that kind of becomes the container for the poem. Um, but I have like a friend and I will write down just words on pieces of paper. So um, like this one says, 
dream where we are swallowed by a hummingbird. Um, eating my life was kind of ordinary. We, we were very into surrealness when we wrote these. Um, feeder hearts, winter mail, mostly I enjoy my failings, which could be your, that could be a, like a little motto for your show. That's a great yeah. motto, yeah. yeah. Mostly I enjoy my failings. That's an Ada Limon quote. Hmm. Um, the winter of floor space. So titles are hard for me. And so I appreciate you saying that you like them because I really try at them because I feel like they can be so overlooked. I was in a writing workshop where this was like 20 some years ago where we would all show up with a poem but people would write a draft but not title it. And so there was a rule, we came up with a rule that if you didn't title your poem, you had to bring cake. You had to bring cake for the whole group. So that way we, cause to get people to stop just bringing these untitled poems in. Sure. So then sometimes people would bring their poem in and it would be titled morning, you know? And I'm like, and so someone would say, well, that's a cake title. Like you just titled it that so you bring cake. And so I think because of this workshop, I was always very like, I don't want a cake title. I don't want a cake title, which means nothing to nobody if you don't know the story. But for me, it means I don't want to just slap something on there just to be done with it. So mm-hmm. I really do think a lot about my titles. Um, and for a while, I used to have like a book where I would write down just things I heard or things I thought could be titles. And a lot of them, like most of my poems went nowhere but they were just kind of always there. I have that orange bowl of them. So, and then that one, sometimes I like too, if I don't know what to title a poem, I might just pick something out and usually it doesn't work, but at least it gets, me. oh, and here's a trick for titles. Mm-hmm. So my second book is called Letters from the Emily Dickinson Room and it's alphabetized. Every poem is alphabetized. And I learned if I wanted to move a poem to the front of the book, I would have to change its title because I'd want it to be like an A or a B. Mm, And so by doing that, by putting that constraint on it, it made my mind more creative because to move the poem, I'd have to change the title. Um, So I had this one poem that I ended up calling Believing Anagrams because it was all about anagrams, but it was called something completely different. And so if you need a title, give yourself that constraint of, this title needs to start with a D and watch how your mind works because our minds want to solve problems. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that. Cause I, uh, I am a terrible musician, um, but I enjoy playing music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have written, I've written four songs in total, one that my wife has heard and three that no one else in the world has ever heard and will never hear. Cause they are, horrible and don't even bring it up aaron we're not bringing it to the podcast spin off podcast my bad songs <laughs> my, my bad, bad songs. songs oh and then my but, bad artworks because i yeah. have i'm a failed artist visual artist i would have been a there visual artist if i could but, I can't. Um, but yeah i i i have found the same thing that i i can't I can't write without a constraint. So like, I can't write poetry because I can't put a constraint on it. But when I'm writing a song, it has to have a specific meter. It has to match like the melody that I've written. Um, So those constraints help me to kind of find something 
even though no one in the world will ever hear those songs. Right, right. It's interesting. People don't like to hear constraints, but they can actually really open up your creativity. But when you say to somebody, oh, you know, do something creative, but put some constraints on, they're like, no, I want to be free. But that's too much freedom. Like then anything's possible. And then the minute you start saying, like in that first poem where I was doing like seven syllables, that was a constraint I put on myself, which, you know, made me have to make bad choices like bring in Marianne Moore, but I had something I was working against. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, it's kind of opposite in that the secretary that I work with at church always asked for sermon titles by Monday. And I didn't typically write uh, I still don't typically write till Wednesday, Thursday. And so I'd have to kind of like do some pre-work prep and think of a title. And that was my constraint. Yeah. And so mm. when Wednesday or Thursday, when I finally got around to like writing the rough draft and revising, I'd have to look back on that title and be like, okay, where was I going? What was I thinking about? And that kind of helped kind of jog the the memory and, and move forward. But yeah, so I guess I, I do it opposite, where I, I come up with titles first. But but that's yeah. really cool, though, because then you have the title. It's kind of like when I said when I have a title and that becomes a container. So now, you know, mm. whatever you have in the title can then be like worked in. So if you use an image in the title, I don't know, you probably wouldn't use butterfly, maybe lamb or something. I don't no. know. But you could do no, butterfly is, is a resurrection. That works. Yeah, it's a resurrection All right, symbol. Perfect. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so very good. So like then you end up like moving that into whatever you know your sermon you're writing. And so you've created the container. And I think so much of of art is, you know, it it is trying to stretch yourself and like risking in your work, but it's also um having that container to hold everything. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of thoughts. Mm-hmm. Putting, putting this whole conversation together now, uh, I think I have to bring cake to church because <laughs> I've stopped doing titles for my sermons because my titles never matched uh, with what I was preaching. So I guess I have to bring cake. You do. Um, you actually do. That's fair. Those yeah. are the rules. <laughs> I wish you were here. closer so I could go to your church. <laughs> <laughs> I'll mail you a piece of cake. We'll see how Perfect. that goes. <laughs> Well, I'm curious, you titled this first bad poem Revising. Right. How often do you take what you consider a really bad poem and and revisit and revise and, and kind of polish? Is there is there something that you use as like a gauge of like, this is worth saving or this is just the, the thought is gone? Yeah. Um, well, sometimes when I revise, what I do is I just pull up I get on my Word document and I just pull up like, and this is, I don't think many people revise like this. I pull up like 10 or 12 poems and I just start reading and looking at drafts and seeing what interests me. Hmm. And the ones that interest me, I might start working on. I'll be like, no, no, no. Oh, what's this? You know, like um, it might be crucifixes, popsicle sticks. Well, that's a little interesting. Maybe I'm going to like play with that. Um, But sometimes I just don't because it just, I feel like the poem was, maybe needing to be written so I could get to the next poem that Mm. it's really not, it was like a a stepping stone. Um, And I'll, I'll look and think, Oh, this is just going to be too much work. And I know you have better (laughs) poems that you could work on and you have so much time on this planet. So choose the easier of these, you know, bad poems. 
So that's probably how I do it. I choose the easier of the poems. Unless there's something like this one though, because now we've put a lot of energy back on this. I am gonna go back to this poem and I wouldn't have. I mean, this poem would have just lived its own little life in the purgatory of my new work folder. <laughs> well, sorry, we gave you more work then. <laughs> yeah. It's okay, I'm writing a poem or revising a poem for um, National Poetry Month, which is April. So yes. I'm good, I'm good. Great. Yeah, that, that was another just kind of coincidence that we, we got you to guest on National Poetry Month. So And on Earth Day. And on yeah. Earth Day, yeah. Yeah. It's all coming together. Too bad it's not Marianne Moore's birthday. Maybe it right. is. <laughs> Get a trifecta there. Uh, uh, so, well, typically... Uh, as we begin to wrap up these conversations, I ask Dave the key question, good or garbage? And since you are the one bringing these poems, if you are willing to ask Dave, <laughs> we'll put him on the spot. Yeah, good or garbage? Tell me, which well, one should I revise? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is really unfair because this has been a really nice conversation and I love this. Uh, but also, you have to keep in mind what I'm normally reading, which is Aaron's poetry. So, I mean, you if you consider these to be garbage poems, uh, I've got some news for you. They're not garbage <laughs> poems. There's some beauty in this. Thank and you. it's really unfair because I think this is my first positive review and it comes when we're not reading Aaron's poetry. Oh, totally fair. <laughs> totally uh, fair <laughs> oh well thank you well you helped me see some because i do consider both of these i consider them garbage poems that would never see the world um and now you know i am gonna go back and i as i said i will dedicate this one to you i'm gonna pull it out pull it out <laughs> so i can get a home run with it right now there we go all. maybe you could title it cake title yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'd love to get that donut out of there. So cake is yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't bury me in a cake title. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kelly, it has been a joy to have you on the show. Uh, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. If ever you find yourself with another bad poem, <laughs> you're you're welcome anytime. Really, this has been very fun. Yeah. I had so much fun with you both. So thank you, Dave and Aaron. This was wonderful. Yeah. Now yeah. here at My Bad Poetry, we end each week with the words of a true poet, as I mentioned in the intro. So would you do us the honor of sharing another poem with us that maybe you don't consider bad? <laughs> okay, I will. I will. Um, you know, I was going to read Love Waltz with Fireworks, which is just basically about falling in love with the world. But you mentioned the word grace, and I have a poem in here called Grace, uh, which nice. I think would be a good ending. And this is from Dialogues with Rising Tides, which came out almost its birthday um, with Copper Canyon Press last year. So this poem is called Grace. Even those who are living well are tired. Even the rock star who swallowed the spotlight even the caterpillar asleep in an unbalanced cocoon. Who knows how to be happy when a lamb is birthed just to be slaughtered at a later date? 
it's so tiring how every day is also a miracle. The drunk bees and the plum blossoms, the sliver of sun through the branches. Then on an early morning walk, we find the farmer's granddaughter has fallen in love with the lamb and it will be saved and named grace. And we are spared for a moment from a new loss and life frolics across a field of wildflowers, never knowing all it has escaped. <laughs> I, I promise that it's not just because I got four hours of sleep last night, but I have tears in my eyes. That was beautiful. Thank you, Dave. Oh, yeah, this is one that I have dog-eared and starred. So uh, oh. I'm so glad you chose that one. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it, it just fit. It, that's what poetry does. It circles back. So we're circling back to Grace yeah. and ending on it. <laughs> like a donut. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Well, as Kelly mentioned, she has her, her newest collection of poems out, Dialogues with Rising Tides. I strongly recommend this read. And also, we end every one uh, of our podcasts, well, after Dave came up with it, so maybe after like episode eight or something, with the encouragement to go write your own bad poetry. And we will do the same thing this week. But um, if you are ever wondering how to do that or how to get started writing your own poetry. Another book you could get is Everything is Writable, 240 poetry prompts from Two Sylvia's Press. And does this have another title? I've, I've seen a couple different variations of this theme. I have another book with Martha Solano called The Daily Poet, uh, oh. 365 poetry prompts for your writing practice, something like that. But it's a daily poet, um, also from Two Sylvia's Press. Marty and I have been friends forever, and we had we would have dates where we wrote and write prompts for each other. So it became a book. Very cool. Yeah. So this one is uh, Everything is Writable by you, and then uh, Annette Spaulding Convy. Yeah. And, uh, and then the other one is uh, Daily Poet. Yep. Daily Perfect. Poet. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much, Kelly. This has been just a, a dream come true. Yeah, this is really cool. <laughs> oh, it was so wonderful. I love talking with you both. It was so much fun. Now, um, Dave normally does the tag. I, Dave, do you, would you be no, yeah, offended? Go for it. This has been My Bad Poetry. Now go write your own bad poetry. Woo! Beautiful! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> That's a wrap. I'm going to stop <sighs> recording so I have less to edit. Rhyme free, Rhyme doesn't matter. Doesn't matter.